It's a gospel on the radio talk show. A show about dreams and visions and a church that is indeed triumphant, alive, and well. For the church triumphant is alive and well. Hello, Tallahassee. This is the Gospel on the Radio talk show. I'm Pastor Jack King. I am your host, and it is Thanksgiving season. But this is a show about dreams and visions and a church triumphant, alive and well. We talk about the church and what God is doing in his glorious kingdom. And what a blessing it is to be able to come to you on Sunday mornings here on 94.1. Just talk about the good things of the Lord. And of course, uh, Thanksgiving uh, holiday during this period of time is a very good time to just stop and think and reflect and give God the glory and the praise that he's so worthy of. And uh, we're going to celebrate today. We've got some good music for you. got some uh, things we're going to talk about concerning uh, how this all came about, this thing called Thanksgiving. I think it's a wonderful thing, and I'm so thankful that our Congress and our presidents over the years have saw fit to set aside a day that we just bring the family together, have a nice meal, talk about blessings. And that's what we do. In our family, we gather together and and uh, take some time to just share blessings and just kind of reflect over the last year. Now, I've learned something <laughs> over the, the years. Uh, I try to do it before the meal. That didn't work real well because people said, we want to eat. So now I say, okay, let's eat first. And then we sit around the table, and I have the different families just share their blessings. And uh, we have a big family now because uh, we have uh, a lot of children, and we've got lots of grandchildren. And so it's a lot of fun when we all gather together. And I just hope and pray that that's the same thing for you and your family, that you gather together Put aside your differences. Sometimes there's things that we disagree on. Put all that aside and just think about blessings and how God has honored you over the years and over the last year and how thankful we are. But I do have a few rules on the show. We don't talk sports, politics, doctrine, none of that. We talk about the church and the things that affect the church. And in my mind, family, Family is very much a part of the church because our church is really only strong as our families. And uh, a lot of times we find that there's uh, struggles in families. That's where the church comes in because we uh, fortify one another. You have a pastor you can go and you can talk to and, and uh, help work through some of your difficulties. And then uh, You've got friends in the church that are just there to strengthen you and, and reinforce you. And we all work together in this thing called life. And that's one of the things that I'm thankful for is to be a part of a great church family. And I happen to be the pastor. I'm the pastor of Freedom Road Christian Ministry, 720 Capital Circle Northeast in the Crescent Park Plaza. We're in a storefront there, but we... Uh, Love visitors, love people, and of course we love God. And an invitation to you to join us at Freedom Road. 
11.05 is our start time, frcm.us. That's where you go on the web to check us out and uh, come and join us. We are between Easterwood Drive and Park Avenue. So if you're on Capitol Circle, heading toward Park Avenue, away from Easterwood Drive, which would also be away from Mayhan Drive there, you're driving along and uh, you pass by the uh, Easterwood Drive and then you go just a little bit farther and you'll see our sign there on the right-hand side of the road, 1105. Come bring the family. We'd love to see you. It's important that we all gather together. This is show number 1098 today. As I said, this is the Sunday before Thanksgiving. And uh, I'm always curious about things. That's just my nature. I'm just a very curious person. And uh, I've seen different things where people talk about Thanksgiving and how it all began. We're going to go down a, a little memory lane and talk about some of these things. But one of the questions that was on my mind, I said, what is a, what is a Puritan and what is a pilgrim? <laughs> and uh, what is the difference? Well, basically, the pilgrims were poor people. They were people who had a heart to find a place to worship, but also to get away from the what they considered the tyranny of the king of England. And uh, uh, they were also a part of the separatist movement. You say, well, what is that? Basically, these are people who disagreed with the Church of England, and they wanted to separate themselves from it. So they left England to escape the discrimination from the king of England. And uh, the Puritans, they... They wanted to improve the church. I mean, and say that just they didn't want to. They didn't necessarily want to separate from it. They wanted to stay in it and try to change it from within. I think that's a good philosophy myself. And so, as a result of that, they fell into even greater persecution, which caused them to have to also leave. And we'll get into all of that. This time goes by, but we'll start to show off this morning with a little bit of music just to kind of get us in the right mood. The tribute quartet. It's just, thank you, Lord. That's the uh, tribute quartet. They want to thank the Lord for what He's done for me, and I want to. I want to pile in on that. I want to thank the Lord for what He's done for me and my family. Uh, we've been through some things here recently with my wife's health, and uh, she's on the mend. And thank God for that. But that was quite an ordeal we went through, and. Uh, well, God helped us, and he sustained us, and he, he gave us strength. Sometimes God will give you strength that you're not even aware of, that uh, he would just lift you up, and he did. He did. And uh, one of the things that I became keenly aware of during this time was that, that this was a challenge. I think to me, and uh, you know, when you know somebody that you love that's 
suffering and going through some things. It's, it's, it's tough. But I think it was a challenge for me because here I'm on the radio all the time and I'm preaching and proclaiming the gospel and I'm talking about faith and I'm challenging everyone else. And uh, so when it comes to yourself and you're in the time of challenge, what do you believe? And uh, do you believe that God is everything that you say that he is and that you tell everybody else that he is? So we have these times of challenge in our lives. But I'm thankful and God has helped us. And uh, I'm so thankful for our, just a wonderful family. My, our children, were just they were just tremendous. They stepped up and they helped so much. And our church family, because... Uh, but we need these people. You know, we're we're uh, people. We we need people. <laughs> we do. People need people, and uh, we we need a strong relationship with God. But a lot of times, it's people that helps us to get there. And so, all these things, I'm just extremely thankful for today, and I give God all the glory and all the praise. And like I said, I just want to add to what the tribute quartet was singing about. I'm thankful, Lord for what you have done for me. Now, when you look back at the uh, times of history and uh, you think about people who, like I said earlier on the broadcast, the pilgrims, the Puritans, they uh, were having tough times in their lives. And they were having to deal with a uh, hierarchy the church that in their opinion wasn't living up to the gospel. So what do you do? Well, as I said, the, the Puritans, they, they said, well, we're going we're gonna to help change it from within. But that's a struggle, and that's a very difficult thing to do. The separatists, they said, no, we're just, we're just leaving. We're just going to go. And so they did, and they, they left, and they uh, lived in Holland for a while. And then and these are things that I've just looked up and gotten some information from. It says that uh, some 100 people, many of them seeking religious freedom in the New World, set sail from England on the Mayflower on September, or in September 1620 in November. Oh, actually, they left in September and they landed in November. And I, when I read that, I said to myself, that's a, that's a bad time to be on the high seas. But uh, anyway, the ship landed on the shores of Cape Cod in present-day Massachusetts. A scouting party was sent out in the late December. The group landed at Plymouth Harbor where they would form the first permanent settlement of Europeans, I'm sorry, in New England. These original settlers of Plymouth Colony are known as the Pilgrim Fathers or simply as the Pilgrims. And, of course, we all know about that word. That that's becomes a, a part of our common knowledge, uh, the Pilgrims with the, the, uh, the hats. <laughs> we remember their hats and the, and the costumes. Well, we call them costumes, but what they wore at that time, that's very familiar to us here in America when we think about Thanksgiving and about the 
pilgrims and about them uh, getting aboard the Mayflower and, and coming here thinking that they were going to Virginia. That was the original destination was Virginia, but they missed the mark <laughs> and uh, they landed in uh, Massachusetts instead. And see, I'm, I'm just thinking about all of these things. And you may know this. I've said this many times on the broadcast. And I'm a, I'm, I'm a Navy man. I spent four years in the Navy on an aircraft carrier, big ship. And I know a little bit about being out on the water. And uh, I think about these people who risk their lives on these sailing ships made out of wood and uh, being out there in, in storms, and I've been out on the water in storms, and I, I tell you what, that's just not something that that uh, I'm interested in doing. Of course, at this stage of my life, I'm not interested in being on a boat, period. And uh, people are always uh, trying to talk me into going on a cruise. And uh, my best friend, Pastor Joyner, he, he did. This is back, uh, how long has it been? 20 years ago, I guess. He talked me into taking a cruise. So me and my wife, we went with him and his wife. And I'm telling you what, my wife was about ready to throw me overboard. I was not a happy camper. I just was not a happy camper. As far as I'm concerned, I was just right back on that aircraft carrier. And I'm thinking, and I paid for this. And so, no, I don't really have any uh, desire to be back on a boat. I, as they say, been there, done that. And uh, people said uh, one time we, I was at a, at a retreat, a conversation came up, and, and I told them my opinion. They said, even on a cruise ship where you have all these luxuries and stuff like that? I said, okay, I tell you what, let, let, let's do this. You go on your cruise and you spend a week on your cruise ship. And then you go home on the weekend, and then Monday you come back and do it again. And then after you've done that, come back the next Monday and do it again. And then next Monday, do it again. And then the next time you don't stay out there for a week, you stay out there for two or three weeks. <laughs> and let's do that for four years. And then tell me if you're going to want to do it again. And some people might. But most people say, no, nah, they got to be a little bit much. And that's the way I feel about it. That's it. I, I, I did my share and I don't really want to do it again and especially to be on a boat or a ship like the Mayflower anyway the Mayflower Voyage the group that set out from Plymouth in southwestern England in the September 1620 included 35 member, members of a radical Puritan faction known as the English Separatist Church in 1607, after uh, illegally breaking from the Church of England, the separatists settled in the Netherlands, first in Amsterdam and later in the town of Leiden, where they remained for the next decade under the relatively lenient Dutch laws. Due to economic difficulties, as well as fears that they would lose their English language and heritage, they began to make plans to settle in the New World. They intended, or their intended destination was a region near the Hudson River, which at the time was thought to be a part of the already established colony, here we go, of Virginia. In 1620, 
the would-be settlers joined a London stock company that would finance their trip aboard the Mayflower, a three-masted merchant ship. In 1620, a smaller vessel, the Speedwell, had initially accompanied the Mayflower and carried some of the travelers. Listen to this. But it proved unseaworthy. It was forced to return to port by September. <laughs> In my opinion, all of those ships at that time were not seaworthy, but evidently some of them were because they made it across the ocean and the Mayflower made the journey. So as I say, we're all familiar with the Mayflower. And uh, uh, I don't know. I just find it fascinating that people would would risk their lives in such a way that they were seeking something. And of course, uh, they had their their thoughts and their ambitions and their goals, and they they had uh, considered the risk. And of course, life is much about risk. We all have our times of decision where we have to make these type of decisions as to whether or not we'll do this or do that according to whatever it is that we think we're going to accomplish in the initial benefits of doing whatever it is that we would step out to do and take those risks. And sometimes we call that faith. And in the church, we applaud faith. And, uh, and that's a lot of faith to me to uh, get on a ship like that and, and uh, be out there in the water for so long. Of course, not knowing what are the uh, weather reports. They didn't, they didn't have those in those days. Uh, some of the most notable passengers on the Mayflower included Miles Standish. You remember Miles Standish? Uh, um, he's the one that sent uh, John Alden <laughs> to uh, ask his uh, intended to marry him. And she said, uh, what she said, she said, speak for yourself, John Alden. <laughs> And so she wasn't interested in Miles Standish. She was interested in, in John Alden. And, of course, you know all that story. You know, Miles Standish, a professional soldier who would become the military leader of the new colony, and William Bradford, a leader of the separatist congregation, an author of Plymouth Plantation, his account of the Mayflower Voyage and the founding of Plymouth Colony. Now, here's some interesting things. It's this on the readout that I have here that maybe you didn't know. Some notable people who are descendants of those who were on the Mayflower, Humphrey, Humphrey Bogart was one, Julia Childs, uh, the uh, food lady, and President James Garfield, the 20th president of the United States, and John Adams, the second president of the United States. A few of the celebrities who can trace their ancestors back to the Mayflower. How about that? And uh, I have no idea whether my folks would go back to the Mayflower or not. <laughs> We're from Kentucky. Records sometimes are a little hard to find in that part of the country, but since my last name is King, I kind of think that maybe there might be some English ancestry there, but who knows? <laughs> I've heard on my mother's side there's some German right there. Who knows? 
Thank him for the miracles. The Booth Brothers. I'm a child of the King. You see, I believe that uh, the greatest miracle of all is when a person comes to the reality that they're spiritual and they live in a spiritual world that's a spiritual God and that they can connect with the spiritual kingdom of God. And that truly is an eye-opening experience. I believe that is the true born-again experience. And I'm like the Booth brothers. I'm thankful for that miracle. And I'm thankful for that miracle that happened in my own life. And I'm thankful for anyone who comes to that reality. And, and I love it when uh, I get these emails from people all over the world that listen to that little daily broadcast that I do. And they tell me that they've come to faith or they've grown in their faith because of the words. It's the word of God that comes across the airwaves. And uh, I'm thankful. So I'm with the Booth Brothers. I'm thankful for the miracles. Welcome today. This is the uh, Gospel on the Radio talk show. I'm Pastor Jack King. I am your host. And as I said, this is show number 1098. Been doing this broadcast now a little over 20 years. And uh, usually we have people here in the studio with me and we interview people. But sometimes it's not. It's sometimes it's just me. And on these special occasions, I like doing the uh, the uh, shows about the different things. I do a Thanksgiving show, do a Fourth of July show, just did a Veterans Day show. I like that because uh, to me, I, I get to be more personal with you. But then again, when we have the guests in the studio, I love for them to be able to share their ministry and what God is doing in their life. And I try to give them as much time as we can. We don't play as much music on the show then. And maybe you are one of those people. You are involved in Christian ministry in some capacity, and you just love to tell your story. Well, this is the format that God has provided for us, and I say this all the time. I don't want this show to be about me. This is a show about the church. So if you are involved in Christian ministry, pastor, preacher, missionary, your youth worker, you whatever it is that you do, and you want to tell your story, and have people listen to your story either on the as we air it on the here on ninety four point one or on the podcast. Then this is your opportunity. So you need to call me, area code eight five zero five six seven one seven zero three, and uh, let me know when you're available. We'll set up a time. We pre-record the shows, and I'd love to have you as a guest on the show. So again, area code eight five zero five six seven. One seven zero three. But today we're talking about Thanksgiving. We're just a few days away, and that's the day that we gather together as families. I just think it's a precious, precious time. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> and, uh, oh my goodness! So we've talked about the Puritans. We talked about the Separatists, and uh, the Separatists again. These are people who said we're, we're done with the Church of England. The Puritans, they more th had the idea that maybe we can change it from within. But the separatists referred to as strangers by their more doctrinaire peers 
argued, argued the Virginia company contract was void, remember, since the Mayflower had landed outside of Virginia company territory. Remember, they were shooting for Virginia, but they missed it. And so they ended up in Massachusetts instead. And so William Bradford later wrote, several strangers, again, strangers referred to as a separatist, made discontented and mutinous speeches. The pilgrims knew if something wasn't done quickly, it could be every man, woman, and family for themselves. While still on the ship, a group of 41 men signed the so-called Mayflower Compact, in which they agreed to join together in a civil body politic. This document, this document would become the foundation of the new colony's government, signed on, on November 11th, 1620. The Mayflower Compact was the first document to establish self-government. I think that's a red-letter day to me, 1620, November the 11th, is to establish self-government in the new world. History was made on November the 11th, 1620. The Mayflower Compact, made up of 41 men who joined together, to form a foundation of the new colony's government. So this brings us to the settling at Plymouth. After sending an exploring party ashore, the Mayflower landed at what they would call Plymouth Harbor on the western side of Cape Cod in mid-December. And I'm just thinking about this. It's cold up there. And uh, oh my goodness, just think about this. They've come to this new land. It's, it's freezing. It's freezing. It's mid-December. And uh, during the next several months, the settlers lived mostly on the Mayflower and ferried back and forth from shore to build their new storage and living quarters. The settlement's first fort and watchtower was built on what is now known as Burial Hill. And the area contains the graves of Bradford and other original settlers. So, we've got some uh, interesting history here. And, uh, of course, we're, we're learning what this is all about. Because, see, I, like I said, I'm a very curious person. And here we have set aside a day called Thanksgiving. And, uh, of course, we had uh, presidents who have uh, done this. Lincoln, I think, was the first he said, we're just going to set aside a day, and then eventually it became the fourth Thursday of November as the official day of Thanksgiving declared by our Congress. But it kind of had moved around at different times over the years. But the thought was to just spend a day to be thankful built up on this original day of Thanksgiving that we'll get to here in just a little bit here. More than half of the English settlers died during that first winter. Just think about this. They just arrived here. It's freezing cold. They're having to live on this ship. And uh, wow. As a result of poor nutrition and housing that proved inadequate in the harsh weather, leaders such as Bradford, uh, Standish, John Carver, William Brewster, and, 
Edward Winslow played important roles in keeping the remaining, the remaining settlers together. In April 1621, after the death of the settlement's first governor, John Carver, Bradford was unanimously chosen to hold that position. He would be re-elected 30 times and served as governor of Plymouth for all but the five years until 1656. So all of this bringing us up to the first Thanksgiving. And um, we'll play a little song for you. It's from the Perrys. It is called... I'm so thankful. I'm thankful. And Lord, I'm thankful too. That's the Perry's here today on the Gospel on the Radio talk show. I am I'm Pastor Jack King. I am the host, and I get to do this every Sunday morning, and I'm so thankful for that. I'm thankful for the opportunity to be able to share the gospel through the songs and through the words. Then today, Thanksgiving, giving you a little history, and uh, and I'm thankful for those uh, brave people who uh, left, oh my goodness, on that ship called the Mayflower and uh, traveled to this country looking for Virginia. They missed it. They got Massachusetts instead, and as they say, the rest is history, and uh, we just read how that uh, many of the people who were on that voyage died that first winter, very harsh. Um, I've been in Massachusetts in the wintertime. <clears throat> it's cold, I'm telling you what, and, and the crazy thing about it, we were... Uh, I was stationed on the SS Lexington, and we went to uh, Boston and got there on January the 3rd, 1973, for dry dock. And uh, so we were going to be there for about four months through, through most of the winter. And the uh, thing I noticed was that, I don't know whether it's still that way, and I have been back to Boston since then, but uh, they, they had ice cream places everywhere. Ice cream was just a staple. I mean, and then this uh, little guy, this um, little machine, <laughs> little truck, he would come and park on the pier, and he had some great Sundays that he would have. And uh, that line would be all up and down that pier of the Lexington sailors <laughs> waiting to get that ice cream from that little truck. And uh, I said, well, I, I, that's milk, and I guess that's good for your bones. But uh, there, like I said, a lot of ice cream places. I just noticed that there in that winter there in Boston. So in other words, I know a little bit about those uh, Massachusetts winters. And here they were basically just unprepared for such a thing. And as I say, the uh, morale became very, very difficult to keep up. And uh, these certain ones, Bradford being one of them, they they helped keep the morale up and they established the Mayflower Compact. But then the natives, inhabitants of the region, and of course there were, uh, we call Native Americans, around Plymouth Colony were the various tribes. And I'm going to take a stab at this. When uh, I say Wampangag people, and I, I, I'm sure I butchered that real good. 
who had lived there for some 10,000 years before the Europeans arrived. Soon after the pilgrims built their settlement, they came into contact with them. And um, they met Squanto, an English-speaking Native American. Squanto was a member of the Patuxet tribe from, Mass- uh, from present-day Massachusetts and Rhode Island, who had been seized by the explorer John Smith's men in 14, or 1614-15. Meant for slavery, however, he managed to escape to England and return to his native land to find most of his tribe had died of plague. And unfortunately, that's, that's a reality, that you have these native tribes they don't have such things as measles and things. And then the, the Europeans would come and they would bring these diseases and just wipe these tribes out. As a matter of fact, if you ever go to uh, Jamaica, go to the uh, there's a little, little museum-like thing there in uh, Kingston. And it talks about that that island was inhabited by a, a tribe of Native Americans that were completely wiped out. There are no ancestries. There's nothing but the Spanish. The Spanish landed there. They brought the measles, and every one of that tribe died. And, of course, now the, the Jamaicans that uh, are there now were brought over mostly by the English. And uh, it's just some interesting. But the thing about it is that this is, this is a reality that uh, – um, you have a uh, population that they don't have these type of things and they're immune, to, but they're not immune to it. And so once it comes, then it's very detrimental. So anyway, in addition to interpreting and mediating between the colony leaders and the Native American chiefs, Squanto taught the pilgrims how to plant corn, which became an important crop, as well as were how to fish and hunt beaver in the fall of 1621, and the pilgrims famously shared a harvest feast with the Poconets, that's an Indian tribe. The meal is now considered the basis for the first Thanksgiving holiday. However, <laughs> they did not more than likely have turkey or mashed potatoes, which were at that time making their way from South America to Europe. But there was deer and lots of local seafood, plus the fruits of the first pilgrim harvest. Here we go. Now, this is going to bring our Thanksgiving full circle for us. Pumpkins. <laughs> they had pumpkins. And I think that's important because I I like pumpkins. And I like, uh, I like pumpkin pie. But mostly, I just like pumpkins. (laughs) Now, there's something uh, important here that I need to bring into this. There's some other stuff here, and I'm not sure whether I'm going to go into all that or not. But uh, for those of us who were uh, regular listeners to the Rush Limbaugh show, and I was, I started listening to Rush in 1992 and listened to him until his untimely demise. And uh, yes, I was very distraught when he died. But uh, you know, I loved him as a friend. But he used to, every Thanksgiving, he would always do a little teaching for us. And he would bring us history that most historians 
did not bring you. Probably didn't learn it in school, but they'd gone back and researched and read a lot of uh, Bradford's uh, letters in his diary. And uh, what Rush brought out to us was the fact that uh, the, the original concept was all for one. Basically, everybody uh, pitched in, you worked, all the food and resources went into a common pool, and uh, as a result of that, people would be able to sustain life and such. Problem is, it didn't work. And uh, Russia's point was this: this had a lot to do with a lot of the deaths because people they didn't uh, didn't have that sense that I can excel and I can. Uh, do well for my own family. And so after that first failure of that experiment, they tried a new concept. And they gave everybody their own portion of land and made sure they had what they needed to be able to go and to clear it and, and get it ready to, to farm and to plant whatever it is that they were going to plant. And uh, after that happened, that's when they begin to excel. Because basically, the thought is, is that when you can be able to uh, benefit from the fruits of your labor, people have more of a tendency to want to work hard and uh, help to make a success. Whereas it the concept, well, it's all just going to go into a, a pool over here. And so there's really no recognition that I did more and so I get to benefit more from it. And that seems to have a um, negative effect on the human spirit. And so after they they changed the concept and people could benefit from the fruits of their labor, that's when they begin to excel and that's when the uh, uh, benefits of things happen and had a lot to do with that first feast. Thankful for the harvest and uh, the the plenty that God had provided because of the work of their own heart and labor. And I think that's a very important concept. And of course, uh, we understand that some would say, well, that's just uh, capitalism. Well, capitalism has its benefits in the aspect that you work hard, and you can gain from that, which is much the American spirit. One of the reasons why we've been so successful, because here in America, you can uh, you can excel. And uh, I, I'm amazed at, at uh, like you see, uh, like, for instance, the Vietnam people, many of them who were brought to America after the fall of, the, of Vietnam. Many of them came here just dirt poor. And uh, I see a lot of times these little shops and stuff like this, and I say, well, how did they, how did they accomplish that? You know, they've got this little, little um, place where they do nails or whatever. And, uh, you know, because you know, any time that you open up a business, oh, my goodness, the, 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 the red tape, and the government involvement in it is just astounding. And tell me, I believe me, I know what I'm talking about. 
And so how did they get through all that? Well, they did. Because a lot of these people become very, very uh, close in family, and the whole family works. And then they, they succeed. Because you can do that in America. That's the concept that we're talking about here. This is what Rush was talking about. See, when they, they gave everybody their own property and their own ability to succeed, then they became blessed as a result of it. And I think that's something that's a very much a part of the American spirit. And uh, to say that anybody can do well in America if you're willing to work. That's just the way I roll. That's the way I think. And I have, I believe, proved that in my own life. I'm not a rich person. But uh, we're not exactly dirt poor either. And, of course, <laughs> well, I'll just leave that alone because me and my wife would have our own <laughs> thoughts about that sort of thing. Let's listen to some music. Greater Vision. We are so blessed. So Amen. Lord, we love you so much. This is the Gospel on the Radio Talk Show. I am. I'm Pastor Jack King. I'm your host. Excited. Always excited to be able to spend these Sunday mornings with you here. We've been sharing a little history of Thanksgiving and talking about Thanksgiving and talking about the blessings of Thanksgiving. Just a Kind of wrap that up. It says, after the early 1630s, some prominent members of the original group, including Brewster, Winslow, and Standish, left the colony to found their own communities. The cost of fighting King Philip's war further damaged the colony's struggling economy. Less than a decade after the war, King James II appointed a colony colonial governor to rule over New England, and in 1692, Plymouth was absorbed into the larger entity of Massachusetts. And uh, Bradford and other Plymouth settlers were not originally known as pilgrims, but, listen to this, I bet you didn't know this, as old comers, old comers. This changed after the discovery of a manuscript by Bradford in which he called the settlers who, were, who left Holland saints and pilgrims. In 1820, at a bicentennial celebration of the colony's founding, the orator Daniel Webster referred to pilgrim fathers, and the term stuck, the pilgrims. We know the pilgrims as the uh, people that we associate this time of Thanksgiving here in America. A day set aside to give thanks to our Heavenly Father. And uh, I want to encourage you to do so. I'm encouraging you to take some time to just gather the family together, be it at the table. I'm just telling you, um, you might want to wait until after the meal 
And then, uh, of course, you know, you know, we do this with our family, but it's difficult sometimes because you've got all the children and all the disruptions that <laughs> goes on. One year we were doing this, and then somebody said, the horse is out. <laughs> and sure enough, the, the little horse that we had at the time was, was out in the backyard. Then he wasn't supposed to be in that backyard. And everybody went rushing out of the house to go rescue the horse. And uh, the sharing time was pretty much over by that. But then we had a great day. Then uh, we do. We just have so much fun with all the grandchildren, the children. Uh, and uh, it's just a precious, precious time. And I hope that it'll be the same for you and your family. And I do wish you a very happy Thanksgiving season. And um, then once Thanksgiving day is over, then uh, in my mind, I turn my thoughts to Christmas. But see, I'm, I'm such an old fuddy-duddy. I, I don't do Christmas until Thanksgiving is over because I want to give Thanksgiving everything it's due. Because so many times, well, it really isn't a very commercialized holiday, so the you don't see so much about it in the stores. But to me, it's a very important time because it's a time to stop and just give God thanks and praise Him for His blessings and His watch care over us. And so once Thanksgiving is done, that I turn my thoughts and minds to Christmas and just an announcement. Our live nativity at 526 East 8th Avenue will be 16, 17, and 18. So you might want to mark that down from 7 to 9 every evening. We have a live cast, live animals. And so that's just something for you to take, take note of. But right now, it's Thanksgiving. And to God be glory and praise. Our Heavenly Father, as we come before you to close this broadcast out, Lord, I want to say I'm thankful. And I'm thankful for this radio broadcast. I'm thankful, Father, for blessings. I thank, I'm thankful for family. I'm thankful for this radio audience. And Lord, I pray a prayer of thanksgiving over them, and I pray, God, a prayer of protection over each and every one. Lord God, watch over us. And Lord, let us grow in faith. Let us grow in our experience and our relationship with you, Father God. And Lord God, we're thankful for America. And I pray for America. And I pray for our leaders. We've just had this election. We have leaders who newly installed. Father God, help them. And Lord, we pray for peace. Peace around the world. Peace in the city of Jerusalem. The nation of Israel. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And until... Next Sunday morning, may the Lord bless you.